Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. I am Becky, and I am super excited for their first time joining me. Um, one of our new contributors, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Becky. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> this is what you get for answering your text messages. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm excited to be here. We are so. super excited to have you. Um, so before we get into our quick shot of romance, I want to take a minute because I know you because you've been a member of the community for a year, but I would like to introduce you to the rest of our community so they kind of know who Amanda is. Um, so Amanda, tell us, first of all, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Grace Reads. Um, there's a underscore in between Grace and Reads and also on Facebook under Amanda Grace. Okay. And I will link it in our on the shelf show notes. So you guys can give her a follow and we'll also grab her Goodreads for you guys. So you can follow her oh, reviews. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite trope? Um, my favorite trope is siblings, best friend. Um, probably more brother's best friend. Mm -hmm. So, but I like both. I that that's one of those tropes that's kind of like catnip that in age gap for me like you say those words and I'm like okay I can do that yeah um what is your favorite part of that trope like what is it about that trope that kind of you're like yeah I like this one I think it's um I, I probably started discovering it was my favorite when I started reading a lot of military or security mm -hmm. force romances and I love it when it's you know a teammate's sister yeah. So I don't know. And it's usually they don't usually get very mad about it either. So there's always like, oh, well, you're, you know, if if I trust my sister or brother with anyone, it's you kind of thing. Right. So, Which I think is unique to romantic suspense and military romances, because in just like small town contemporaries, sometimes the siblings are like over the top freak out about that you're dating their little sister or something. And it's like, guys. Yeah, I don't I don't love those so much, but. Me neither. But we'll take the good and the bad, right? <laughs> um, so do you have one book that you have reread, like that's your all-time comfort read? Uh, I could I could make an argument for any Nora Roberts book written before 2010. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I had to wait a year for a new one to come out. So I would reread my old ones, you know, every day until it came out. Um, so probably tribute. Um, by Nora Roberts is the one I've read the most. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I too was a rereader because we used to have to wait a really long time yeah. for the next book from an author. So, you, you know, you would reread. And also like until the indie market exploded 2012, 2013, trad pub offerings were kind of slim. So you did reread your favorites over and over again. Yes. Um, so, uh, I have read tribute also by Nora Roberts. I like Nora Roberts. Her books have kind of moved a little bit more towards suspense thriller, less romance. Um, but yeah. some of her old school ones have some pretty good romance in them. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So we're going to get on to our quick shot of romance. I'm super okay. excited to talk about this one with everyone. So on this quick shot of romance, we are reviewing Hollywood Playboy by Natasha Madison this is book one in her Hollywood royalty, I think is what the series is called. Yes. Um, and we'll link the synopsis of the book in our on-the-shelf show notes at buzzingaboutromance.com. 
This book was released January 29th of 2019. It's a Hollywood norm. Um, so when we say Hollywood norm, that means one of the characters is Hollywood and the other one is just average everyday person. Um, this is a lesser done trope. It used to be done a whole ton more in um, the early 2000s. There was a whole like trad pub revolution of Hollywood norm romances. Um, I wish more people did them. I love them. I, I love them when they're done well. I've read a few, you know, that it's, they take the Hollywood persona a little too far. Yeah. I think. I think um, it's kind of like Rockstar too, though. I think that yes. it can go, it can lean a little too far into the stereotypes. And then we don't yeah. really get an authentic character. That makes complete sense. Um, so these two are enemies to lovers. Uh, close proximity. I will say almost forced because they are like on an airplane. <laughs> at times stuck together um and this is opposites attract there's a little bit of a foodie element to this um book the whole time i was reading this book i kept thinking of carolina and her love of food references and romances yes because our hero takes uh tyler he takes everybody to all these great little hidden gem of restaurants Yes, I was definitely thinking about the the food aspect of it. And then then also he takes it, you know, a little further with the food. And I was texting Leah about that part. Oh, yeah, she does like her. <laughs> she does like her spicy food scenes, but not spicy food. Um, and there's travel in this. So it's a little bit of a travel fling. Yes, because they have left the normity of life and are on this uh, press junket. So that's kind of the setup of the book for that. Um, the series is Hollywood royalty. These are interconnected standalones, dual first person, put out percentages 53%. Our audiobook narrators are Kai Kennecott and Wen Ross. Now, are you an audiobook listener? No, I, I don't know what it is. There's, um, the dialogue just throws me off. I don't, I'm not sure what it is, but I, I just, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and I can only do audiobooks if I'm doing something physically active or something mundane, like dishes or playing Animal Crossing. Like then I can read, you know, then I can listen to the audiobook that way. But if I just try to listen to an audiobook and, you know, just relaxing or something, my mind wanders and I lose track of people. Yeah. And I'm a, um, I'm a visual learner. Okay. So also too, like listening to something that I'm trying to remember is not necessarily something I do that well. That's okay. Um, okay. And there is a third act breakup in this book. And I think we needed the third act breakup in this book. Yes, I agree. Now I will say that this book, so our hero and heroine are Tyler and Jessica. And if you have not read this book, but you have read Natasha Madison's Made For series... Jessica and Tyler are Romeo's parents. Yes. Um, so that is the connection. It's kind of like, it's first gen. I guess it is. It's first gen, right? Yeah. And that's that's the whole reason I picked this book up, actually, was because I wanted to read it before Romeo's book. Yeah. Um, so you have not read Romeo's book yet? I have. Oh, you have I now. did, actually. I, I did a whole binge of the Made For series after this book. Um, I love the Made For series. It is, I think it's my favorite Natasha Madison series, the Made For series. 
It might be. Yeah, probably yeah. mine too. It's it's really well done. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Jessica, our heroine. She's kind of a badass. She is a complete badass. Um, she's a reporter, but a Hollywood gossip reporter. Um, I'd assume works for like a magazine like Entertainment Weekly kind of. It's a little presti- more prestigious than gossip rag so it's not like national inquirer yeah i was thinking entertainment weekly style yeah situation when i was reading it it's a little yeah because she it's a little more um they have a little bit more clout than um like a gossip rag would because so the setup of this book was really unique it was um because we don't we don't think about this in the world of how hollywood runs but so Tyler is the superstar, movie action star. I'm going to assume this is a movie, say, like John Wick or Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. He's the star and the action hero. And they're going on a worldwide press junket. And they're, they invite, is it seven other reporters that will be with them throughout the entire press junket. Yeah, I think there's a, a total of nine. Is it nine? Was the I think. And um, our heroine is uh, Jessica is invited, but she and Tyler have a history, but only within the fact that they circle within each other and just don't like each other, but they've never really met. Yeah, it was they kind of set it up that she tries to scoop stories on him, and he always like heads her off at the pass. Yeah. So that was part of the reason like she doesn't like him because he's always like foiling her attempts well and the way natasha so for you what is it about these two characters that you really liked because i really liked the way natasha madison chose to kind of define these two characters i really liked the way they were described um like you said jessica's a bit of a badass and i i'm not a huge fan of reporter characters yeah um because i mentioned i read a lot of suspense and a lot of times the reporter characters in those situations are trying to you know find out some hidden information and want to expose like the hero or his family or something like that so i i typically don't like that but she wasn't trying to do that at all she was just you know trying to do her job and you know she seems like she kind of fact checks even though she's a celebrity reporter yeah so the ultimate professional, I think, yes. was one of the things. And she conducts herself even when, because there's some other side characters in this book that are not wonderful human beings. For example, example Tyler's assistant. Oh, she's terrible. She's the worst. And But Jessica had the um, self-control, the professionalism, to not call this bitch out on her shit. <laughs> yes. She was completely professional and, you know, I don't I don't think she even snapped at her until she interfered with her job. Yeah. When she showed up to the meeting late. Yeah, and I think that that is really great the way that Natasha chose to do that because of giving Jessica this professionalism, it would have been very easy to put Tyler up on a pedestal 
And look at Jessica is almost kind of a little bit of an anti-hero, you know, because she's going against him and constantly, you know, digging and looking for things. But in reality, because of the way Natasha chose to describe her and put her into this book, you actually feel the opposite. Like she gets exalted and Tyler, you're like, dude, catch up and read a room. Yes, that's completely how I felt about it. Like she was the she was the one that you were just like pulling for, I think. And there wasn't anything in this book that I didn't think was necessary. Um, It's really funny because it's not funny, haha, but it was funny, interesting. (laughs) There is a scene in which Tyler kind of loses control of a situation with one of the other reporters and gets caught in what could be a very compromising situation. And you know, Jessica fully believes it and doesn't question it. Um, there was no like bad. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that right, but um. <laughs> there was no angst. There was no there anger. Was no angst. Yes. And I think what it did was it cemented that Jessica really does take people at face value. Yes, I would agree. But there was a I mean, that line where like, yeah, you're, you need to zip your zipper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then immediately after is when they kind of got together. Yeah. So she had no hard feelings about it whatsoever. It just, it works really well because again, it shows Jessica as being like smart and, you know, she's picking up on the signals in the room, even though Tyler's kind of an idiot about things. (laughs) He is. He's, uh, he's not picking up the signals that several people are sending him in this book. <laughs> no. Um, so I, you know, if you listen to the podcast for any length of time, you know that enemies to lovers can be a little bit of a struggle for me because a lot of times it feels like it goes from, um, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you to, oh my God, I can't, I love you, you know? Um, but this relationship of enemies to lovers, I would say probably they're more adversaries or rivals. I would agree. Than enemies. But they, um, the progression of them going from adversaries to being against each other to to kind of coming together and realizing, hey, it, at the very minimum, there's a friendship here. Yes. And I think it was that motorcycle ride. Oh, that was so good. It was so swoony. It was. It, it really was. And also, too, I think the um, also even their their gym sessions together. Oh, yeah. That's kind of when they when they started to get to know each other when they were running on the treadmill next to each other. So between that and then the motorcycle and it was really well done. It was really well done. And I did enjoy um, I I really did enjoy their interactions in those morning gym sessions um, just because it kind of it took away all of the masks of their moments and you kind of saw glimpses of who they really were. Yes, I would agree. Um, so there is a dark moment in this book. And I felt like this book really needed that. Um, it really it needed that particularly after. So I'm kind of skipping around here a little bit, but there's a part where the big part of the premiere of the movie is going to be in Paris and he invites his parents to join the movie tour. And chemistry is heating up between Jessica and Tyler and you're really feeling it. And then he brings his parents in and he 
he isn't very good at communicating to everyone else that should know that Jessica is who he wants his parents to meet because they're still kind of trying to keep things quiet, right? Yes. And I like that he did that, but then that's what ultimately leads up to this dark moment, right? Where, yes. where things are going to go south for them. Go bad. And I think Jessica did it exactly what she needed to do. She just dropped and walked away. She didn't have the words, and I don't feel like she was had an outlet to do it in a way that would have been professional. So for her, for her character, it was a consistency of character piece for me. She drops everything and walks away. That's a really good point. Um, because at first I was like, oh, she just she just walked away. I was like, I was like oh no, but I mean, it needed to happen. But um, but you make a really good point that you know that that fit her character. Because I was, at first I was like, well, why didn't she just, you know, she didn't say anything or, you know, she believed him before, but, but it's a totally different situation here. Yeah. She believed him before and, and there was this like power dynamic struggle piece between the assistant and Tyler and where Jessica fit into her life. And because of them trying to keep these professional boundaries Every interaction that Jessica has throughout the book is at the utmost of professionalism. Yes. You know, when she isn't, she's told she's not needed to walk at the premiere with him in Paris. She continues to do her job, even though like, you know, she was emotionally broken. Oh yeah. Um, but her walking away and leaving is almost what needed to happen so that she could, again, continue to be the professional. No, I agree. And the way you explain it makes perfect sense because it just, it fits. Um, Natasha Madison also really likes big emotion. She does. And this book, in the time that they are separated during the third act, my heart was breaking. It was painful. Like... And yeah. I was like, I had that ache in my yeah. chest. I was like, oh, this hurts. Your breath is catching and you're like, okay. And so, and I don't want to give anything away because I really hope people will go and pick this up. It is available in Kindle Unlimited. But do you think Tyler's grand gesture, because it wasn't really, it wasn't really grand. Um, was it enough? Because I am very hard on Natasha a lot of times that I don't think her grand gestures are enough. Like her heroes do not grovel enough. And I do secretly feel like made for Romeo was written for me to show like, look, I can make a hero grovel, Becky. That's so funny. <laughs> she gives me such a hard time um, about it because I'm still mad at Nico. I, I don't know that it was it, like you said, it wasn't a grand gesture, but I had the most highlights in that scene where he was like coming to her and he's like, I can't, you know, I can't imagine my life without you. I can't breathe without you. You know, like that whole, just that whole situation. I, I felt it like deep. Um, and maybe it's just the way she wrote it so emotionally. So I didn't feel like he had to do this huge grand gesture, but I don't know. I, w I was okay with it. It was enough for you. I think if you look back to his roots, so his dad and his mom, she's a teacher, he's in construction. They're very not Hollywood. They're very simple 
easy, normal people. I know, me too. They were great characters in this book. Um, So if you think about the kind of parents that he had and how his upbringing was probably a very middle-class upbringing, like all of us had, right? Yeah. It was very un-Hollywood, the way he went to her. It was like he went back to his roots. Like, how would my dad have apologized to my mom? Oh, that's a really good point. So it it creates this multi-tiered, heavier-leveled character. And now you just kind of want to pick things apart, right? Like you want to think, okay, so that would make sense why he felt the need to feed her. Because that's a very middle-class feeling, you know? Oh, yeah. You feed those you love. And if you look at, like, you know, the adventure he took her on on the bike ride, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't an exclusive spot that only VIPs can get into. Yeah, it was all very understated. Yeah. So that was like continuous character development, but also creates this very heavy multi-layered character that made him very swoony and kind of book boyfriend. Oh, I, he's on my shelf. He's on your shelf. After that. They, they both went on my shelf after that. So they're pretty was, great. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I was, I was in the mood for this and it just, it hit like everything that I wanted when I read it. Um, and even if I wasn't in the mood for it, I, I still think I would have given it a really good review because it just, it's so well done. It was really well done. Um, so if somebody really likes this book, what other books might they try? Um, I love Faked by Kylie Scott. It's an excellent Hollywood norm. Again, he's a little bit more complex and he falls first, um, which I love. But do you have any Rex? The only one that I could think of off the top of my head was um, Wild Island Love by Melissa Foster, which isn't out yet. <sighs> well, it will be read... out by the time this book or by the time this episode drops, it'll be out. And That's true. I read these two books back to back. Yeah. And it was just. Is your heart they, okay? They give all the, yeah. <laughs> That's some big swoon. <laughs> it was really big swoon. And, but I felt like they both had that same level of just deep emotion. Yeah. They were both really sexy too. So I felt like you had every, both of them had everything yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, they were both really great books. I would, I would agree with you while wild Island love. Yeah. These two books are fantastic. Um, Anyway, Amanda, thank you so much for hanging out with me and talking uh, Hollywood Playboy. Thanks for having me, Becky. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I can't wait to have you back. You guys can check out Amanda. Um, I'll have a small little write-up for her on our website so you can check it out. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.